0: One of the joys of being a grandparent is that when you get around the little ones, they, um, they wanna play games with you. And it's like you get to go back in time and relive some of your childhood while you're spending time with your grandchildren. And that's fun, especially when they want to play hide and seek and they're finding places that, you know, you have to pretend that you don't see them, you know, and you're, you're pretending that you're looking everywhere, and you know exactly where they are, but you, you're playing along and giving them an idea so that they can actually win and have a chance to feel like, you know, they've, they've, they're a part of what's going on. I, um, I was thinking about that, how you... Put your head down and you hide your head the kids were playing like this in our house just a few days ago and and they're counting and then when they finished their counting uh, jan did it as well as the kids the first thing that they said was ready or not here i come and then they get up and they start running around now why would i spend all that time at the beginning of a sermon talking about <laughs> ready or not here i come because that is precisely what Jesus is going to be talking about to his disciples on this particular day. And um, the question that he poses to them, as he poses to us, is, are we ready for his coming? Is there joy or is there fear in your heart at the coming of the Son of Man? And Jesus combines the sobering reality of the crisis that he is facing and that he knows that his disciples are going to face with a focus on the end times and the glories that are yet to be revealed. And I, I look at that and come back to uh, my text. Now, we're going to be in, in uh, Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading where we left off last Sunday at verse 35, and go through to verse 48. Um, The problem that I have with doing this is that all of chapter 11 and all of chapter 12 is basically one day in the life of Jesus. I mean, we tend to read things like the the chapters up till 9, cover the birth of john the baptist the announcement of john the baptist through the development of the ministry of jesus the calling of his disciples and the first three years of his ministry then from the middle of nine around verse 51 when they start on their journey towards jerusalem this is leading up into the final time where Jesus is going to end up on the cross. And we know the end of the story. We've read the book. I hope you've read the book. If you haven't, go back and read it. But we know the end of this story. We know what's going to happen. and But everything from the middle of chapter 9 to the end of chapter 24 in Luke deals with this last period in the life of Jesus on earth. That's a fascinating thing to me, that he spends all this time just focusing on this last time. And then there's two whole chapters, 54 verses in one, 59 verses in the other to make it 114 verses that deals with just one day in his life. I remember... At one point, at some point that we were looking at when Jesus is calling his disciples and he gets in the boat, remember, he gets in the boat and sets out and he's teaching the people, he's healing the multitudes. And I I, I remember saying here to you, I, I said, I wish I knew what he had said. You know, what what kind of a sermon did he preach that cause so many people to gather and come around and, and inspire faith for so many people to be touched by God that's amazing <laughs> you know and we don't have that sermon recorded and then we get into this final period in the life of Jesus and he spends two whole chapters that start off with one man who gets healed after he teaches his disciples about prayer. He Spends a whole time. The disciples start off at 11. They say, teach us about prayer. And after there's prayer, there's this mute guy that gets healed. And then it seems like everything breaks loose. There are people in amazement. There are people who are saying that he casts out demons by the chief of demons, Beelzebub. And others that want to have a sign to prove that he really is who he is. They're questioning his authority. And Jesus starts to address all three groups and then is invited by Pharisees and lawyers and exposes the inner workings of their heart. These lawyers are, are getting angry. They, they're, 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 they're dealing with anger because they have been exposed, not as people who love God, but who love the praises of men And the beginnings of a rising tide against Jesus is beginning. And Jesus comes out of that luncheon meeting and he's talking to his disciples. But all these thousands, it says thousands of people are gathering around. This is all one day. It's all happening in this one day. And Jesus starts to instruct his disciples while the people are crowding in, listening to what Jesus says to his disciples. And, and now he's coming to this portion after we dealt with issues of fear. We dealt, He's preparing his disciples for what's going to come. Now we know what's going to come. Jesus, when he gets to Jerusalem, is going to have a week and he's going to be in the temple, and he's going to be healing the sick, he's going to be preaching, he's going to cast out the money changers out of the temple. It's going to be a major spiritual battle. One of his 12 is going to to, uh, turn him over, thinking that he's a miracle worker, so he'll walk away from it, you know, nothing will happen to him. But Jesus is taken through a sham of all kinds of, of trials and the people have a riot shouting crucify him and Pilate gives in and they put a crown of thorns on him and on back that's been whipped bloody they place a crossbeam that he carries outside the city where they nail him to it in between two thieves we know what's going to happen when he dies, and the people who are his disciples are scattered for faithlessness, they are fearful that they're the next ones in line, and Jesus understands what's going to happen and how the world will react to these that he has been training, and so he is preparing them. In chapter nine, in the transfiguration, he has already begun to explain to them that the Son of Man is going to suffer many things and he's going to die. He's trying to prepare them for the trials and tribulations and persecutions that are going to come. He's he's a wonderful teacher. And so the, the whole focus of 11 and 12 is not a focus on the amount of people that are getting healed. He's focusing on the intention of how do I prepare my disciples to live in a world that is full of upset and chaos and perverse judgment and all kinds of things that are going on around about them. He wants them to know a godly way to act and react in the midst of what's about to happen. Though they don't realize, they have trouble understanding what Jesus means by he's going to be delivered up and he's going to be killed. That's not something that they can understand. How can somebody so good as Jesus go through that? He's still telling them important, valuable things that they need to know. And that is interesting because at the end of this when we pick up on this the next time Jesus is going to turn around and address the crowd that's there but in the meantime he is focusing on the disciples and the disciples have remembered what Jesus taught them in this whole event because as it all came to pass So when Luke comes back and is researching what needs to go down in in this record of history that he's sending to Theophilus, he's able to record the things that Jesus had said. And I'm, I'm thrilled to bits. I would have loved to have known what kind of messages Jesus preached that brought about all that great rejoicing. And dead people being raised, and all that stuff that went on and 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 yet the things that are written at this point in the in the Gospel of Luke are written as well for our benefit in how do we deal and focus with difficulties that face us in the life that we are living? so let's pick up here in verse. 34. Luke 12 beginning at, uh, sorry, 35. Luke 12 and verse 35. He just finished talking to them about their possessions and said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And now verse 35. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps alight. And be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table, and he will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. And be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, Are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, "'Who then is the faithful and sensible steward "'whom his master will put in charge of his servants "'to give them their rations at the proper time? "'Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes.'" Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will shall receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. And from everyone who has been given much shall much be required. And to whom they entrusted much Of him, they will ask all the more. Lord, bless your word to our hearts. May we understand it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name. Well, you can see where I got this ready or not, here I come. (laughs) It's like Jesus is waiting in heaven, and he's waiting for the right time. And whether we're ready or not, he will come. He will return. As a matter of fact, the angels after the ascension said to them as they were standing, staring up into heaven where Jesus had disappeared up into the clouds, he said, why are you standing there with your mouths hanging open? Don't you know that this Jesus is going to come back in the same way that he left? Now, the truth is, you and I, as well as the people who are listening to him have no idea when that's going to be. Whether he comes to get us in terms of us dying and being ushered into his presence, we don't even know when that day is. Even though we have an appointment. And none of us are going to be late to that appointment. It's one appointment we're all going to be on time for. It is appointed unto man once to die. That's What the scripture says in Hebrews, after that comes the judgment. Now, here we go. When Jesus sits down and he tells his disciples, when you see all the struggles that are going on, the temptations and trials that you're facing, I want you to lift up your eyes and look to the things that are yet to come. Your focus is needs to be where your heart is and set your heart on things above, it says in Colossians, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. We need to set our passion and our desires upon the things that God provides and not on the things of the flesh and the things of the world. There is a world of difference between our passion and desires that are full of greed for the things that only this world has and whether we're investing our lives in the things that are eternal. And he's just finished talking to them about the importance of eternity and now he turns around and he says we need to have a clear understanding of our future. I I know it's kind of funny, but when people come up to me and they say, how are you doing? And several did this morning. They said, how are you doing? Meaning we know you went through that operation and we're wanting to know how you are. They were serious. It wasn't just a, a form of speech that said, hey, you know, a lot of us say, how are you? And we really don't want to know. We just, that's because it's something that you say. It's not something that you really want to imply. Don't ever do that to a German, by the way, because if you ask a German, how are you, they'll probably tell you. And it might take a while, but they will (laughs) take the time. And so if you're in a hurry, don't ask a German how he is. Now, uh, I generally turn to people. I say, well, I'm doing really well, thank you, but I will get better. And that's the truth. One of these days, I'm going to shed this body. I'm going to put on a new body. And the new body that I put on is going to be just like the body that Jesus has. It's going to be eternal. It's not going to fade away. It's not going to get sick. It's not going to be having any kind of of troubles or carry-ons. And every tear is going to be wiped away. I want to tell you, when we put on the new body and we spend eternity in the presence of our heavenly Father and his angels and all the saints that have gone on before us, oh, what a glorious day that will be. I'm excited about it. It's going to be better than anything this world could possibly offer any one of us. And the reason why we look towards the future is because it gives us hope that the virtue that we share today when we are being abused and our lives are being torn asunder regardless of who does it, the truth is God will be faithful to the one who is faithful to him. And We will spend eternity with him. Now get a load of this. This is is incredible within the culture that they're living in. Jesus actually says to them, he says, you be ready, be alert, get ready with your lamps. Be inwardly ready for my return whenever it happens. When the Son of Man comes back, you don't know when it's going to happen, but live your life in readiness. Live your life in readiness. Guess what happens when he shows up? It says, Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you, get this, he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at table and will come up and wait on them. The Lord of lords, the King of all kings, the creator of the universe says that when you enter into my presence and you have been faithful with the things that I have entrusted to you, I, I will come and serve you. it's hard it's sort of like there's a small group of people here and President Trump comes walking through the door and says I've just been waiting for this opportunity how can I serve each one of you personally it be like the Queen of England coming up to my wife and bypassing all of us and just coming up to her and saying so glad you're here what can i do to serve you i mean that's the one who has her subjects serving her (laughs) i mean this is this is back to front and jesus has just made a statement that it is going to be worthwhile for you to remain faithful in spite of all the difficulties that come your way, because not only am I going to remove your sins, but my joy at your presence is going to be made full when we're gathered together again. (laughs) I'm reading this and I'm struggling with the consequences of that. I know that Peter had trouble when Jesus wanted to wash his feet at the Last Supper. How am I going to respond when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords wants to serve me? How will you respond when he wants to serve you? The dynamic of this here is is something that I'm finding difficult to grasp, but it lets me know something about the scope of the love of God that he has in the midst of all the troubles that you are going to face. That he hasn't forgotten about you and that it's going to be worthwhile once you've survived. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because that is a day I have trouble trying to comprehend. I'm certainly grateful for all those that have gone on before that are rejoicing in that. Particularly, you know what I am rejoicing for? All those aborted babies. who in their innocence are with jesus right now who missed out on family and life and everything else and yet jesus is caring for them well so the first thing is that he focuses on the future there's three things in this passage the first one is the future And then Peter says, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else? I mean, because you've got these thousands of people that are pressing in, and Jesus seems to be only talking to them. And now he turns to the disciples to address them. And this is pretty powerful to me as a minister and I've got to say, I I don't know that I deserved any of it, but God has entrusted my wife and I with an awful lot um, over the years. And I I, I don't know why. (laughs) Somebody on Facebook this morning wrote, said, you've been to a lot of beautiful places. You've certainly been blessed. And I wrote, back something I don't know that I never expected that when I got saved I just said Lord I'll go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do I'm yours you know that was my salvation prayer you know and never dreamed never dreamed that I would see the world and uh, I'm sitting there thinking about to whom much has been given will much be required in a sense that could be fearful (laughs) Um, oh my goodness I find it fascinating however that when Jesus sits down to address the servant who is going to be entrusted with other servants he goes, this is how he puts it. He says, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master shall put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. In other words, Jesus is speaking to the disciples clearly that he is going to entrust them with faithfulness. We tend to look at success as being the most important aspect of life. And yet Jesus is looking at faithfulness Are you being faithful for which I have entrusted you with? Are you faithful with the things, the gifts, the talents, the resources that I have given to you? Are you faithful with those things? And when I return, will I find you being faithful with them? Now that's either true at the end of our life or at any time in between when Jesus calls us home, or on that day when he returns and we all end up before his presence. Whatever the situation is, the question is still going to be, are you being faithful with what God has entrusted you with? And in the particular aspect of what these disciples have to deal with is, are they being faithful... In providing food, rations, to the other slaves. In other words, the question that I hear, am I faithful in rightly dividing the word of God and giving it to you? That becomes something that I have to deal with, me, not you. I have to deal with that. Have I been faithful in in my study and have I been faithful to share what the Word of God says with others who are hungering for righteousness and truth in their own lives? If it comes down to being faithful in being an administrator or being a, a worker being in the military are you faithful to god in the role to which you have been called and are you living your faithfulness out or have you quit somewhere along the line and he addresses those who start off and say well it doesn't look like the master is coming back anytime soon and he starts to beat the slaves woe 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 to the preacher who beats up his people A shepherd is not there to beat up on the sheep. He's there to care for the sheep. See what I'm saying? When he looks at these people, he says, you don't abuse the people whom God has entrusted into your care. You don't do that. You don't go around. Now, this is interesting because he has just talked about the rich ruler, the rich guy who was going to build a bigger barn and who's was going to eat, drink, and be merry, you know, and he didn't realize that he was going to die that night. And now he uses the same terms right here for the abusive steward who says, well, I'll beat up my, my other slaves, make them serve me. And then he goes on to say, well, I'm just going to eat, drink, and get drunk because he's not coming back. I'll get away with it. And you don't. So in the midst of this future that we're looking at, the faithfulness that is going to be rewarded, there is also the fear that he's pointed out that you need to be fearful of the one who judges you after death, not the one who kills your body. So he's tying up what's going on in both chapters eleven and twelve. He's he's pulling it all together. He's still dealing with the issues that we should not be afraid. We have someone who will provide for us. We don't need to worry about any of the provisions that are coming our way. And he's reminding them of that. Don't put your hope in what other. People, your manipulation of other people is going to provide for you. Put your faith, your hope, and your faithfulness in God. It's an incredible, incredible structure of looking at future, looking at faithfulness, and looking at overcoming fear of those who would abuse the authority given to them. How do we make sure that we don't fail in being faithful and are ready for the future? (laughs) It's by keeping our focus on the things that are eternal. I don't believe in the statement that says you are so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I don't believe that. I believe the one that has Their focus on Jesus returning and knowing that they're ready at any time for him to show up are going to be the ones who are going to be the most faithful in serving others in this life. They're the ones who have understood the love of God for other people and find ways to share that love in a real, personal, and powerful way. You see, the the love of God is not just for us, but it's to go through us, to others. I am astonished at how careful Jesus is preparing his disciples for future difficulties that they don't know anything about. And he promotes them in ways to say it is worthwhile to remain faithful in the face of adversity. The future that God has prepared for you and me is worth it. And we don't want to abuse the opportunities of a future with him by mistreating one another here and now. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Especially when Jesus knows the kind of persecution that he's about to face right now. And he knows the results that are going to happen to his disciples. And he finds it important not to just teach them on prayer. He finds it important to teach them on how do I remain faithful the spite of in spite of opposition how do i remain faithful in times of distress and trouble isn't it interesting that he teaches them those things and he doesn't teach them how to preach he doesn't teach them how to heal the sick he doesn't teach them how to raise the dead he says oh those things will all happen if you're going to be faithful I find that fascinating. The things that we place value on and want to learn about, Jesus seems to find other things that are more important that if we maintain our focus on who the Father is and how we live in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, those things will happen. that's that's just part of part and parcel of what we've received. It's not something that we need to study and and learn about, but these things, being faithful, loving, caring of our neighbors, that's powerful stuff. And he puts that at the forefront, knowing that that is going to be one of the most difficult struggles that they're going to have to face. He's preparing them. The beauty, thank you, Peter, when he says, is this just for us or is this for them? (laughs) I'm going, yay, it's for me too. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. You want us to be ready when you come. We don't want to be in the not part of here I come ready or not. When Jesus says, here I come, we want to say, welcome, Lord. Welcome. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that your word begins to prepare us and tells us that there are things that we need to do to remain faithful. There are things that we need to look forward to in the future things that we don't fully grasp right now, but we do know that what you have promised is far greater than anything that we could imagine or think. We know that your promises are true and they're amen. So don't allow us to lose hope, but that we remain faithful in the hope, knowing that those who have gone before us to their reward have been those who are models to us that we, too, can go and achieve the same reward. We thank you that these are not just empty promises, but that what you promise, you do. You are faithful above all else. And we thank you that you are creating the same kind of faithfulness in our lives.